You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Wednesday, 10 January. Johnson & Johnson to pay $700 million to settle state's talk marketing probe and Johnson & Johnson to acquire cancer drug developer for $2 billion. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Mia Krechler, I want to touch on what where she's seeing opportunity in offshore markets. Certainly a strong rebound, but a lot of that was Magnificent 7. Keith McLaughlin, he's got that small cap AMC. We've talked about his, his offshore one. He's got a local one. But is there a value trap happening in our local small cap space? Dennis Hobson from Investec. Uh, so the Red Sea is being avoided because of terror attacks. Uh, are we at risk of supply chains, uh, disruptions again? And is opportunity locally as the ships now round the Cape? This show is brought to you by Stanlip. Visit stanlip.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Moody's ups Asker's uh, rating to stable its airport company, South Africa, on the back of traffic recoveries in the aviation sector. Business Day, Eskom Transmission Company, a step closer with appointment of a board, head of Sassel's energy business, to chair the transmission company. Morning markets, uh, US was mixed. S&P down 0.2%, NASDAQ up 0.2%. Over in the east, mostly red. We've got Sydney off half a percent, Tokyo up 1.9%. Hong Kong down half a percent and 10 cent off 1.2 percent. Commodities mostly red, gold 2047. Brent is the green at 7777. Platinum 943. Palladium 991. Rand 1868. Bitcoin 46,200. And top 40 opening call uh, 40 points to the red, 0.05 percent down. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Trading now with Amir uh, Krichler from Kruger International. Mir, appreciate the early morning. We chatted uh, uh, last year in our, our sort of last couple of shows. We were talking a fair bit about local. We touched on Sabanya and the like. But I want to look at more at the offshore market. I said in the intro there, I mean, the, the, you know, it was all about the Magnificent Seven. Truthfully, there was other opportunity. Where are you looking offshore at, at, at this point of time for, for, for value? Good morning, Simon. Yes, just maybe to start off with what you and I have also said on numerous occasions is that uh, predictions are wildly in last year. Last year, this time, most economies, over 85% of economies uh, um, questioned by the Financial Times actually predicted a recession by this Mm. time. And that was not correct. So, and we're talking here about the biggest global market, which is, of course, the U.S. Uh, so, yes, it has been playing out completely different. Main Street and Wall Street was not the same thing last year. And uh, a great example of that was, for instance, what we saw in Germany, where we had a recession, but the market was up over 20% for the year as well. Yeah. So, yes, uh, this year we are we have seen... Uh, asset prices over the last year increased quite substantially on the global side, especially in the developed markets, uh, and like the US, and um, that has actually stretched the valuations quite a, a bit. But you also mentioned it was very centric around the Magnificent Seven and driven broadly uh, by a very small part of the of the market, which was very tech heavy. So a broader diversification would most possibly be your best strategy for going into this year and having more market breadth, 
be aware mm-hmm. though that uh, we could see sort of a slowdown still the soft landing is on the cards but the economic slowdown due to the higher interest rates that we have seen over the past year might most possibly have an effect on the economy there and we could start seeing that already going into this earnings season that will be kicking off in the next two weeks in the u.s uh, but the tailwinds that we normally see when interest rates start to uh, decrease which is definitely on the cards for the second half of this year the fed has been outright with that um is is we see a tailwind on the on on commodities and on energy and those asset classes have been beaten down over the yeah. last uh, the last year so that could be an opportunity but once again as i say a broader diversification is is, is far more in your benefit than uh, being too optimistic on one particular area of the market uh, again, these Magnificent Seven shares have been very profitable and they sit on very strong balance sheets in a good position to weather the storm if there's an econo- economic downturn globally. So that is to their benefit. So they also, um, most of them are on the front foot of, of AI and AI development, which is actually very beneficial and, and profitable for them. Uh, so there, there is a sort of a, a due reason for their performance, but it does stretch their valuations to an extent. So broader markets uh, diversification would possibly be your best bet. Uh, Once again, when you look over the long term and you are a long term investor, being too conservative is also one of your largest uh, risks in a portfolio. So be careful not to try and sit on the sideline and time the market and wait for a great entry point when people become fearful and there's a downturn that might not happen. It could happen, but without making any predictions of where the market will be or how it will play out, We'd rather make sure that we have uh, exposure to various asset classes. And as I've mentioned on the show before, we look beyond stocks and bonds and energy and commodities. We also look to renewable energy and infrastructure and specific opportunities in South Africa that diversify our portfolios and that actually do give us strong long-term yields, especially in, in times where other asset classes could uh, could have a, a more challenging environment. Yeah, you've got that that, that uh, renewable down in Tutsikoma. But I like that point about being conservative as a risk. And I'm looking at the DAX 30, the German market, recession, index, all-time highs. Uh, I, I take your point, let's not uh, sort of get overly fixated sometimes around the economists and certainly around the short term. Mir Krechler, Gregor International, always appreciate the insights. Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Keith McLaughlin from Integral Asset Management. Keith, appreciate the early morning. We chatted last year about your offshore uh, uh, AMC uh, trading into into small caps, although the market caps of some of those stocks are, are, are giant by JSC. Today I want to talk, you've got the local as well. The UUSMC is the code. Small caps, local, AMC. I was digging around the small cap space, and I want to throw some examples at you. Afrimat at listing, PE was around 20. It's now 13, arguably a much better business. We've got uh, Spur and Advertech both seeing great price appreciation. Advertech all-time highs. PE still below 10-year medium uh, uh, valuations. Uh, is, 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 there, is there a massive value trap in our, in our small cap space? 
Morning, Simon, uh, and thanks for referencing three stocks we actually hold in, uh, in uh, domestic <laughs> AMC. All of them are great companies. All of them offer offer attractive valuations. But standing back and just just answering your question, I mean, if you think about what a price earnings multiple is, there's really two major components that make it up um, at a market level, mm-hmm. and then you can get into some uh, some uh, asymmetrical uh, variables. So, at big picture. Price earnings is a combination between the interest rate applied and the growth of of the market, of the economy, and mm. then if you dig into the stock of, of the stock. At small cap level, the liqu- there's a liquidity premium as well. There'll be very, very much more asset-specific things that happen at individual stock level to arrive at a multiple. But if you look at the big picture in South Africa, interest rates are high. Therefore, mm-hmm. depressing price earnings, and growth is basically non-existent at a macro level. Um, and therefore, both of these things create pressure on multiples and markets. Um, if you believe interest rates over over the long term will come off uh, or lower, mm-hmm. and if you believe a growth will pick up, then broadly speaking, as an equity class, you know, SA Inc. is very cheap. Um, small caps are trading on a 10 times multiple. You know, is that cheap or expensive? Well, if you look at the top 40, it's also on a 10 times multiple. So, you know, in terms of size, it's not necessarily distinguished. But the, the top 40 is uh, uh, chock-a-block full of resource stocks and the like. And there, in fact, earnings should likely likely mm. come down. So a forward multiple in the top 40 is cheap. Uh, well, uh, much higher. But small caps within the South African context on a 20-year median trade on a, a, a on a median of about 14.5 to 15 times uh, price earnings. So it's cheap versus history. Um, looking internationally, in America, the, the large small cap index is called the Russell 2000. That's currently trading on a, a mid-20s price earnings. So in a wow. global context, absolutely, on, on, on a global context, uh, small caps in South Africa are very cheap. Um, but I think the problem is the macros are weighing against them. So one, one has to look through the cycle, look through things, um, and really, in the short term, we've got, we've got arguably a failed government uh, that's, cr- that's created a lot of macro pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue we do have a functioning democracy, and those are two different things. So if there is a scenario where, in fact, uh, you know, a change happens at the polls and all the government sorts itself out, and or, like we're seeing in the electricity sector, there's effectively privatization of government functions, our economy can continue to operate just fine. Um, and therefore, these offer offer nice entry points. But uh, just just to offer again an argument here is our small cap sector has been shrinking because of yeah. listings. Mm-hmm. Last year, last year, eight percent of the JSCD listed twenty two <laughs> listings. You know, if that continues to that rate in twelve and a half years, there won't be a, a listing on the JSE. And, and you and I will be unemployed. But but I, I, t- I take your point. I mean, a hundred percent. So 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 it, it's cheap. I suppose the, the the flip side of the coin is is that maybe I'm overly stressing the valuations. And I mentioned you know all three of those stocks I mentioned: Advertex, Spur, Afrimat. They're all having good price appreciation. Maybe I shouldn't stress the fact that they're sort of below their long term valuations and just appreciate that price appreciation. Well, as I said when I, when I spoke about what what you build into a price earnings, interest mm. rates, well, companies don't determine interest rates. They sure. are what they are in the economy. 
but a company can determine its growth trajectory. Um, and what we've seen, Spur, for example, is growing fantastically. Uh, then you have a look at a range of others that have, in fact, gone offshore. I mean, we haven't touched on Santova. That's also in the yeah. in the UUSMC AMC. Um, you know, like a lot of the small cap sector, don't forget management teams are incentivized with growth and they've found it outside of South Africa. Go back 20 years, there was almost no foreign earnings in small caps. 10 years, the foreign earnings were starting to appear. And now, in fact, you look at the successful ones and they've almost most of them have built offshore operations and or gone offshore. Um, there is an alternate theme, and that's uh, you touched on Advitech. There are companies that are offering services where their biggest competitors and is the public sector, and that's a competitor you'd love to have. It's, <laughs> well, pretty hopeless. Um, so private education, private uh, healthcare, private security, private you know, electricity, private the, the privatization offers tailwinds as well. So there's definitely growth. Don't underestimate that. And that comes out in company multiples and will come out in returns as well. And, and a quick last point, and I'm just having a quick look here. I mean, the spur dividend yield is, is, is north of, of, of 7%, Advitech uh, around 25 I mean, we, we're also getting paid to hold these stocks and we get paid quite well with those dividends. Definitely. Um, I wouldn't seek this uh, sector out for yield. If you're taking mm. SARS risk, and liquidity risk in this sector, you should be compensated in terms of above average growth. But yield does help um, in terms of holding costs, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I mean, uh, there's we haven't touched on storage, which uh, which yeah. is bought for its yield. There you're sitting on nine, ten percent yield, and you've got half your balance sheet sitting in the UK. Um, this is arguably half half pound-based yield, um, very, very attractive to hold, even relative to 10-year, 10-year government bonds that are trading on 9.8% yield. Yeah, and take a point in storage, more or less sideways in five years, but you've got that 10% yield coming through every year. Uh, we'll leave it there. Keith McLachlan, Integral Asset Management, appreciate the early morning. And that's our poll today, LinkedIn and Twitter. Small caps, uh, value trap or great value? Have your vote, have your say. Your money can do more when it's investing with conviction. Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to in-depth, broad market research and high-return investment strategies. So invest in a select set of companies with long-term structural growth potential with Stanlib's Global Growth Fund. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Taking now with uh, Dennis Hobson, a logistics and pricing analyst at Investec. Uh, Dennis, appreciate the early morning. The Red Sea, I think it was about, what, four, maybe six weeks ago, we started seeing some attacks on, on uh, uh, shipping vessels going through the Red Sea. It's now largely being avoided. Certainly, I think Musk had said uh, they're not going through the Red Sea at all at this point. How significant is that route in terms of, of global uh, trade? Good morning, Simon, and good morning to all the listeners. So the actual route counts for about 10% of global ocean trade. Mm-hmm. Um, and currently about 20% of the trade is actually blocked up, um, uh, cargo actually being in transit because of the longer routing that, that some shipping lines have uh, have to take. You mentioned the longer because, of course, they they skip the Red Sea. Schedule they... reliability. Sorry, I... I... 
Sorry, Simon. No, no, sorry. I, I lost you there for a second. So let's pick up on, on, on the point. You say that, 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 that they can obviously come around the, the, the coast of Africa, past Cape Town. How, how much longer does that trip actually take in terms of, of, of time and, and extra cost? Because there is a, you know, they can, they can completely skip the Red Sea if they need to. Yeah, so on average it takes about 7 to 14 days longer coming out of the, the east. Um, it's about three and a half to four thousand nautical miles longer. Uh, so it does have a you know, for for the shipping lines. Obviously, have to incur higher um, bunker costs or fuel costs and other operational costs. So it uh, you know it, it is a case that they have uh, to schedule uh, longer transits now in mm. in their planning. Um, but it's not all shipping lines that are actually taking this this route. Some are still transiting through the Suez Canal. But majority of the capacity is now being diverted. And what we're seeing, I imagine, I mean, initially there is a, a hiccup in global supply chains because they hadn't planned for that extra 7 to 14 days. But we're not going to see the sort of issues that we saw in supply chains in, in, in 2021. This should sort of work its way into the system um, and, and, and shippers and, and, and suppliers will kind of manage the extra, the extra period, the delays. Yeah, so it does take a bit of time for, for adjustments and collaboration, I mean, um, for for. Uh, shippers and importers to to readjust their, their actual lead time planning, mm. um, but it also depends how extreme the situation uh, is and, and how long it goes on for. You know, a lot of shipping lines are taking a wait and see approach at this stage. Um, there is a lot of you know, coverage around what is taking place, um, but yeah, it, it, it will take some time. The problem you have right now is the Chinese New Year uh, pre-peak yeah. shipping period, so. You know, you're going to get uh, equipment imbalances or contain imbalances. and starting to charge priority surcharges uh, to release uh, containers um, and prioritizing that equipment for the higher yielding trades as well. So, you know, after Chinese New Year, when they close down, it will uh, some shipping lines adjust and, and rebalance everything. But there will definitely be um, an impact uh, for the for the coming weeks for how long it lasts. It's anyone's guess right now. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely unknown. Uh, last question, is there any benefit to, to South Africa? I mean, my first thought when I heard this is I'm like, yay, all these ships stopping at, I don't know, Cape Town, Durban, uh, Richards Bay. But, I mean, do they need to stop and refuel? Or is that very old school and they can, frankly, have a, enough supplies to, to, to manage those extra week or two? Yeah, so, so generally, the the vessels that are used on this this trade are, are larger vessels. Mm. Um, most of them are too too big to come into our ports. Uh, of course. Um, and because they are larger vessels as well, they do carry some contingency fuel as well. So there's no immediate need for them to be refueling. Um, they certainly don't want to be coming into our ports to try and ship any cargo because we already have significant yeah. backlogs <laughs> in our own ports. So for now, you know, there's no there's no plan uh, from the shipping lines that I've spoken to. Um, but, you know, if this, this situation continues for a lot longer, shipping lines may start to, to rethink their, their, their schedules um, and, and make adjustments where, where required. Yeah, okay. I, I take it. We, we're literally weeks into this. We will keep an eye on it. And, of course, as you mentioned, Chinese New Year uh, adds some niggle into it. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Dennis Hobson, Logistics and Pricing Analyst, Investec. Appreciate the early morning. We were chatting with Advita Naidu yesterday from Jack Hammer, talking about bore-out. Uh, different from burnout. We all know what burnout is. Bore-out is when you're 
frankly, just bored with your job, not using your skills, your talents, not having any passion for your work. We asked if you were struggling with bore out at work, and almost 40% of you said, frankly, burnout more of a problem. Uh, a third said, yeah, you're, you're bore out, absolutely, your, your, your job sucks. And, and there was a great point around, you know, don't just look at the current job, look at the potential for the job. And I appreciate, often easier said than done. The rest of you, love your job. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The Money Web website's in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobuchle. Siren, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Trading Psychology. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.